On this week's episode, it's our fall TV preview. A scandal hits the sports card industry. And is Eddie Murphy poised for a comeback? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great stuff that we've got going on, whether it's our Pop Culture Cosmos or Game Source or even our Humanica Media formats. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is our comeback kid of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what's going on today at popculturecosmos.com, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And of course, on social media at Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Always great to have you on the show, my friend. Always a pleasure. Can I just real quick give a shout out to Wendy's who brought back the spicy chicken nuggets? I saw that trending. So I I went to the grocery store on Sunday night, bought all healthy food. And then Daniel from Topic Ocalypse shot me a text saying that Wendy's brought back their spicy chicken nuggets. So all my plans for dieting went out the window and I went straight to Wendy's that day. So get on the keto diet right after it then, okay? That's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> okay, okay. Because I've got some kale over here myself and I'm trying to go ahead and gnaw on it as much as I can because I know i got to shed a few pans myself. But it is going to be a great show we've got for you today. We've got our good friend, Vince Atulo from That Sports Card Show podcast. He's going to talk about some individuals in the sports world out there that you might want to start keying in on for rookie cars or sports cars that might be of interest that could increase in value going forward. Plus also a big time scandal in the sports card industry. He's going to give us the latest and greatest news on that as well. And then of course, it's time for our fall TV preview of the broadcast networks. And who better do that than our good friend as well, Jessica Boggs from the tvratingsguide.com. She's going to be by on the back half of the show talking about all the stuff that's hot, all the stuff that's eh, kind of tepid, and all the stuff that's kind of chilly and kind of cold when it comes to the broadcast networks this fall. But first, my friend, I want to talk about real quickly the reunification that took place this past week in regards to CBS and Viacom, which had long been together beforehand, but in the earlier part of the century, in fact, the last decade, they did break up, but we're still kind of on good terms and whatnot. It wasn't like a really harsh type deal. It was just a kind of a breakup to see if they could go ahead and profitize a little bit better as separate entities, but they have reunified again. So CBS, CBS All Access, and major outlets like the Paramount Network, MTV, VH1, Comedy Central, a lot of big-name cable outlets are all coming back together again under the same umbrella. When you read the news of that happening once again, what were your thoughts as far as the outlook going forward for a lot of these cable networks and then the bigger picture for the entire entity for the reunified CBS Viacom merger? 
I'm just curious why it's happening because obviously they parted ways because they wanted to seek opportunities elsewhere. So why the sudden interest in CBS again? Because why? Because Star Trek's doing well or because they're, they're having these streaming services coming out? What led to this merger, do you think, in your opinion? I think the streaming market is a big key to it. As we researched it before the show, we did see that both entities have a streaming service in their back pocket. Obviously, CBS's All Access is the big key as far as from a streaming outlet on the CBS side. Uh, uh, Viacom has a streaming company that could go ahead and also pick up the slack as far as that's concerned. But maybe is this going to be more of can we boost CBS All Access? Because CBS has lost its way in, in regards to the ratings. They were the dominant force, the number one network for many years. NBC in recent years has taken over that mantle. So this could be a new way of not only reinvigorating the CBS network and also giving a huge bump to CBS All Access, but to a lot of these other networks, some of which are doing okay, like Paramount with some great ratings from Yellowstone, some of them are kind of eh, all over the place when it comes to TV Land, Comedy Central, MTV and VH1, among others. I mean, it just seems like it was a needed jolt. And maybe this could be the kind of jolt that's needed to get a lot of people that had cut their cords to come back to watching cable and broadcast television again. I'm not sure. This gives CBS All Access a big time boost, possibly if they go ahead and bring all that stuff from MTV all that stuff from VH1, Paramount Pictures, because that's a big-time part of this equation. Paramount Pictures is owned by Viacom, and that gets merged into it. So what happens when you've got all that stuff, including the Mission Impossible series? That could be a big thing as well. I know a lot of the trade papers have keyed in on Mission Impossible, but mainly Star Trek being the big beneficiary of this merger, including a possible extended universe now being sought out like we've already seen with DC and especially when it comes to Marvel. Do you see this being a big win for Star Trek fans? Because not only do we get to see it already happening on screen with CBS All Access, but we could see Star Trek again on larger platforms as well. Yeah, that would be really cool. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out like if they have CBS All Access, but what does that mean for all the other shows? Because doesn't MTV have their own streaming platform? VH1 has like a streaming app. Would all these join onto CBS? The logistics of this merger are confusing to me. I'm trying to figure it all out. I have a feeling that they'll all go ahead and bump into CBS All Access and that CBS All Access will become the biggest beneficiary of this. They may rebrand it. But I think CBS All Access is the most popular of these streaming outlets that they all have. So it would make the most logistical sense to bring in all this other content and make it available to the CBS All Access platform or whatever they end up calling it if they go ahead and change the name. But they've also talked about a possible Mission Impossible series designed specifically for the television or streaming service market. And of course... There could be even more Star Trek shows on the way. The most recent Star Trek convention here in Las Vegas, there was some rumors heavily that the Mr. Spock character that was played in the most recent season of Star Trek Discovery, he could find himself in his own series coming up at a certain given point in time within the Star Trek universe. And that could reinvigorate people's interest in the Star Trek movies, which I know you and I have talked about, which I have been so disappointed in seeing Paramount 
not really making the push to put Star Trek back on the big screen. Yeah, that would be interesting. Do you think that there would be some kind of crossover between the Chris Pine movies and what CBS has got going on with with Picard? You could see that. From what I remember, when I first heard news and heard wind of the Star Trek Discovery series, it was supposed to take place about 10 years, 15 years, if I remember correctly, before the stuff that you would be seeing in the rebooted movies. Now, whether or not that's going to take place and they actually have Zachary Quinto or Chris Pine come into this equation as far as down to the big screen, that I'm not so sure. I mean, Chris Pine has done Netflix TNT movies of late. Zachary Quinto's on that show, so I wouldn't put it past that. Whether or not Zoe Saldana would be part of it, that's the big thing because she's the biggest star right now out of anyone right now in the Star Trek universe because of all she's doing with Avatar and the Marvel Universe. You already know that. So will this be a big boon for Star Trek? I think it will. But like I said as well, any of the big or major or memorable properties from Paramount that is in their vault, so to speak, that could be a big beneficiary as well and put on different platforms that it wasn't on before or haven't been on in a long time. Plus, like I said, with the popularity of the Mission Impossible movies of late with Tom Cruise, this could be a sign that a Mission Impossible TV show could be around the corner as well. What are your thoughts out there on the reunification and the love fest now back once again between CBS and Viacom? Please share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com is this a great win for star trek and mission impossible fans we'd love to hear what you have to say popculturecosmos humanity media and game source on facebook twitter and instagram as well well coming up next we got our good friend vince atulo from that sports card show podcast he's going to break down the world of sports cards and a sports card scandal you need to hear about what's going on because it may affect a lot of people who think they have some very rare sports cards this is the PCT Multiverse. Listen up, all you gamers out there. Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace gaming wristband. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals, whether it's that single-player campaign, retro classic, or battle royale. Head on over today to MiracleFruitOil.com and if you use the code VITABRACE50, you'll get half off on a VITABRACE gaming wristband. Or use the code BUY ONE GET ONE and it's BUY ONE GET ONE FREE. That's right, just use the code VITABRACE50 or BUY and the number one, GET and the number one today to get some great deals on some VITABRACE gaming wristbands. So check it out today at MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace, win with it. It's Gerald coming right back at you here, and we're now talking some sports cards because it's that time of the year. A lot of sports are getting ready to come out, and a lot of sports as well are, are finishing up, getting close to it anyways. Baseball is getting into its fall classic. Football, basketball, and hockey, are all three of them are on the way, coming for another season. And who better to talk about sports cards than our good friend? Because if you're into sports cards, you got to check out that sports card show podcast. It's available on virtually every major podcast format. It's my good friend and a great supporter of the show. And I cannot thank him enough for doing so. It is Vince Atulo. Vince, 
Thanks for coming back on. Hi, Gerald. It's been a while since I've talked to you last, but there's been plenty of things that have still been happening in the sports card industry and hobby since then. All the great things that are going on in the sports card in industry, including also some juicy topics later on that you're going to discuss, you know, involving <laughs> a scandal because you yeah. know everybody loves a good scandal. Well, let's start out with what just wrapped up was the 40th National Sports Card Convention in Chicago. And I didn't go this year. I was on a podcast roundtable last year at it. But, oh, my wife had to pick the vacation destination this year, and it wasn't Chicago. So we did not go to that. But with all the social media and everything, so many people were tweeting and live streaming and uh, YouTube videos uh, of the National these days. It, it was almost like you were there. You could keep up with it through all the social media sites and everything. And one of the major attractions this year was a guy who is, maybe some of your listeners are familiar with, was Gary Vaynerchuk. He is a social media personality, investor, famous for being like an entrepreneur, an early investor with Twitter and some of these uh, Instagram. He was on the Rich Eisen podcast a few, about six, seven months ago, and he was talking about how big of a boom he sees in the sports card industry. And it seems like ever since then, he's made a huge wave in the sports card markets and industry of how he has like totally immersed himself in. He had actually a booth at the National, was there all four days selling cards. If you follow his Twitter feed, it's constantly him like selling cards, buying cards, talking to people that are into it. And he's also shared my podcast on his Twitter feed, which has almost 2 million followers. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, he was at the National buying and selling and uh, taking pictures with anybody who wanted one, signing his cards. He has actually his own box of cards that are available. It was, I think it was only available at the National, but you may be able to buy it from Tops directly now. And it's the uh, Gary Vaynerchuk box. I, I'm, I think it has signatures. Uh, there's like a golden ticket in it where you can have dinner with Gary Vaynerchuk. And I think those are going for a couple thousand dollars on eBay if you get one of those. And he has also opened up his own card store, and uh, it's can uh, find it on Twitter at Edison Cards, where he's constantly buying and selling. It's a big thing for a hobby like sports cards to have somebody who is this huge social media presence to just be like all in on sports cards. And do you see that as a trend going forward with a lot of YouTube personalities becoming, well, celebrities in and of themselves? Do you see that as a trend for the industry to start following like the esports figures that are out there, some of them that are well-known celebrities or successful in the industry, Twitch streamers, YouTube streamers, start having cards printed out of them and having them become part of the industry? And, you know, that's a good question, but I don't see why not. Now, there have been a few like these e-gamers that have had like autograph cards and certain releases, but there hasn't been like a real release just for those. And I don't see why there hasn't been. If a major card producer wasn't interested in it, there's enough smaller card producers that would, I think that would jump at a chance to do something like that. I mean, those things would sell. I don't see why not as well. I think if you're talking about another venture for some of these, or another revenue stream, excuse me, for some of these yeah. uh, individuals and these celebrities, I can definitely see that happening. But it's great to see that sports card trading and sports card buying and selling is still alive and well and that the largest sports card show of its kind is still very strong, very highly attended, 
and looking forward to hearing your thoughts. And hopefully you'll get a chance to go, if it's your turn to go on the vacation next year yes. and, and head out that way. But yeah, that's a very already, exciting. I'm already planning on going. It's in Atlantic City next year, and uh, I'm going to try to do something special. I don't know what, but we're going to try to do something with it. They got to come to Vegas. You know, they don't go out to the West Coast. They seem to do East Coast and Midwest. It's uh, Chicago, Cleveland, Atlantic City, Baltimore, kind of in that rotation. Well, no convention is complete without coming to Vegas. That's all I'll say. And a lot of people have been clamoring for that. So who knows? Who knows? But you got me in suspense. So I got to hear what's going on with this national card grading and trimming scandal that has piqued my attention. We are still kind of in the early stages of this being broken and the news about this kind of coming out. This all started with what I call internet sleuths. And we're in the age of the internet sleuth now where people can go and find out things that in the past, there was no way of knowing or no way of finding out. So what these guys have done, and this is all on blowout forums, message boards, right? If you really want to get in, because I'm going to do just like a cursory overview of this, because this goes deep. This has many tentacles that go out many, many ways, and there's no way we could really cover this in any kind of detail. So I'm just going to kind of give a cursory overview of it. But if you really want to find out and get into the nuts and bolts of it, go to the blowout forums and there's threads there that are thousands of pages long. But anyways, let's get to it. Basically what this is about is when cards are graded, they are looked over by professionals and they're uh, identified to see that the cards are authentic, that if there's autographs on them, the autographs are authentic and the edges are just so, and the corners are just so, and then they grade them. And the difference between a low-grade card and a high-grade card sometimes can be thousands of dollars. And some of these really rare cards, it can be hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, the difference between something that's graded like a 1 and a 10. So what's been going on is people have been, people have been getting these lower-graded cards, and let's say they might have just a little tiny nick on the edge or a corner might be just not so well they found ways to somehow trim these cards where they they fit between the uh there's kind of a a a way to trim them where they can't pick up on it or something i don't know but they're trimming off these bad edges and they're resubmitting these cards into these grading companies and they're grading them as much higher than what they should be and these guys, these internet sleuths have been able to do that because they've been able to pick up on this because cards today have serial numbers on them. So let's say this card sold two years ago and it was graded a, let's say a six. Okay, well now we just see the same card with the same serial number and all the, the imperfections that were on this card now are gone and this card's graded a 10. And instead of selling for $500, it's now selling for $5,000. And this is going on in case after case after case they're finding. Once they started digging, they're like, well, this is kind of a rampant problem. This this goes deep, okay? And this goes into one of the main sellers on eBay. It was PWCC cards that a lot of these cards were coming out of. So I know that the FBI is looking into this. There's major car companies that are looking into this. It's got a long way to go before we come to any kind of resolution about this, but this has all been kind of found out just by regular hobby people who are just kind of keeping track of things now that they have so much technology at their their disposal now where they can actually find these things out and 
communicate with each other. Well, that's very interesting, my friend. I'll tell you what, I can't wait to hear more on the scandal as the weeks and months to come get more and more detail. I mean, it's getting juicier all the time. That's very interesting. I'm not too surprised by it because in this industry, as you've seen even more than I, I mean, greed can come into play anytime you're dealing with collecting, whether it's sports cards or whatever type of memorabilia you've got. It definitely comes into play as far as trying to earn more, trying to get that extra edge, pardon the pun, yes. and trying to get that extra little, uh, you know, whatever dollar amount and, and raise the stakes even higher, so to speak. So that's very interesting. And we'll make sure we keep following it out there for everyone. But yes, definitely stick to and listen to that Sports Card Show podcast so you can get the latest and greatest on what's going on with this national card grading and trimming scandal. But my friend, I got to ask you, before we head on out, it's a couple of more a couple more things. I want to ask you for this coming fall season, or even right now when it comes to the end of the baseball season, as we're getting closer to it, some of the hot cards that are being bandied about or being talked about. I know in basketball, and you know NBA is my background, my main love as far as sports are concerned, although I love them all. I can tell you right now, Zion is the hot name in the industry. But is there any other prospects out there that you're thinking of as far as people should go ahead and try and invest and collect right away? Well, in basketball, really, there is no other name but Zion Williamson right now. He just signed an exclusive deal with Panini, so his cards, his autograph cards, will be in Panini products this year. And so he will have licensed NBA cards and Panini products. So that's kind of big for the market because a few years back, Ben Simmons had a year where he only his cards weren't licensed. His only autograph cards weren't licensed. And it kind of, uh, I mean, while those cards are still valuable, it, uh, it puts a weird spin on his collectibles. You know what I mean? So Zion Williamson will have autographed NBA licensed memorabilia and autograph cards this year in Panini products. Now, there's actually a Panini promo card that was, it is a one of one that is on eBay right now that I'm watching. And it was a special card that was released in VIP packs at the National Sports Card Convention. And at the moment, it's a it's at about six thousand dollars with a couple hours left to go. So that tells you where the value is in the prospects this year in NBA. Is well, it there in Zion? I mean, there's a couple other names: John Morant and R.J. Barrett. Their stuff should be valuable too. But from what I'm seeing, it's Zion Williamson all the way. Now, let me ask you something. You're the basketball expert. This is me, just my take on it, and maybe it's a ice-cold take. But is Zion Williamson just another Blake Griffin with maybe more muscles? Well, he reminds me a lot of a, a little bit of an amped-up version of Julius Randle because he plays a lot of bully ball. Yeah. I, I'm not sure where his outside shot is developing at this point in time. He showed glimpses of it in college, so I think that's going to be a key. His yeah. size which gave him a great advantage in college is not going to be as much of an advantage in the NBA. And that's the thing. He's going to go up against guys that are bigger, taller, and are able to go ahead and be almost as athletic as he is. So if his talent early on is going to match the hype, because I know everybody is talking about Zion this, Zion that, and obviously his cards are reflecting that. But again, is his skill that we saw it was so great in college, going to be able to translate fully into the pros. I'm not 100% sure because he's, I'm not not, either. he's not as tall as, as a lot of the individuals. He's about 6'8", 6'7", 6'8", and you know, there's 6'9", 6'10", 
guys that are almost as you know strong and heavy as he is and can basically keep him off the block as much as possible. But if he's coached correctly and he develops an outside shot, he does have a chance to become a premier athlete in the NBA. But again, that's a wait and see. We've got to see more than what we saw in college. He was able to bully everybody around and dominate in college without having to develop much of his exterior game. But if he does do that here in the NBA, watch out. The value of them can go much higher as well. So I'm looking forward to that. But is there any other prospects in football or baseball that you're keeping an eye on? Because I know there has to be. I've really been keeping my eye this year on baseball. And it seems like there is, it's really kind of a special time in baseball where you're looking at the emergence of the new generation of not only stars, but superstars from the prospect level up to this new rookie level. These guys that are called up and that are breaking records now. You've got maybe the big two, the big power two is Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Pete Alonzo. You saw those two guys battle it out in the home run derby at the All-Star game. And those guys have continued. I mean, maybe Vlad Guerrero had a little bit of a slower start, but he's starting to hit his stride. And you've got Pete Alonzo who's breaking records with his home runs. And the thing about Vlad Guerrero is when it's all said and done, he might not even be the best rookie on his team. He's got Bo Bichette, who was just recently called up, and he is on fire. Also out west, you've got Fernando Tatis Jr. He's got to be a front runner for the National League Rookie of the Year. And... Keston Hura in Milwaukee. He has all the tools and the makings to be a real hitting machine as second baseman there in Milwaukee. It's funny, though, how all these second-generation players are coming along with Bichette, with Tati, and with Guerrero. It's funny how all of them are now coming out this year all around the same time. That is funny. I hadn't thought about that. But, yeah, you're right. Those are all second-generation guys. Maybe that has something to do with their maturity at at such a young age to be able to – handle the uh, every day of a major league baseball athlete, you know? And then there's also Jeff McNeil in New York, who's also an all-star as a rookie. And when you're talking about prospects, this the value in some of these prospect cards is absolutely amazing. You've got Wander Franco. He's a raised prospect in a, their organization. Uh, Casey Mize in Detroit. Mackenzie Gore in the San Diego. And Joe Adele, the Angels. Luis Robert. Aldi Rutschman, who was just recently drafted. All these guys, if you check out their cards, well, Rutschman, I don't believe, has any yet. But their first autograph cards, you better bring your wallet because you're going to pay close to four figures for some of these guys, their low-numbered, serial-numbered autograph cards and their Bowman first edition autos. It's crazy. Guys that have not played one minute in the major leagues, but people were banking so highly on them, their level of skill and success that they see them having at the major league level that – uh Their cards are out of sight. I'll tell you what, my friend, that's very interesting. I know there's a lot of great individuals out there that are coming up through the ranks that are going to be providing a lot of interest to sports card traders out there. But there's one card last I want to talk to you about finally before it's all said and done. And that is (laughs) from Shane Bieber. And the reason why I say that is very good picture. Having a very good year so far. Got to give him props for that. But His card for this year would normally be that valuable, even though he's having a very good year. But something happened along the way that not only he was upset about, but had Tops apologizing as well. Yeah, that was just a regular common card. It was his top Stadium Club card. And if you looked on the back of it, it had, instead of saying Shane, it said Justin Bieber. You can actually get that card for $15, $20 on eBay right now. 
Justin Bieber. Now, how does that happen? How do you get an error where it says Justin Bieber? Was, was they at the printer and the guy was just listening to a, a Justin Bieber song and just got in his head? Or how do you make that mistake? How do you make that mistake? But it happens on rare occasions. In fact, on the back, you look at it, it does say Shane Bieber on the top. And in the description of it, in the paragraph about a little bit of a bio, so to speak, it does mention Justin Bieber in it. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, Shane actually put a picture of that card on his Twitter and tagged Tops in it. Now, it's just funny because it's Shane Bieber, he's got the Tops error card, Justin, has filed for the trademark to not Justin with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office just today. Amazing. That's not coincidental, <laughs> I'm sure. And I love Topps' response. They understood their mistake. And, of course, they had to respond in typical Bieber fashion. It's hard to say I'm sorry. Actually, Justin tweeted at Shane, and it says he told him that uh, he feels like they have some kind of special connection. And the Cleveland Indians actually chimed in and said that they have a I'm Justin jersey ready for Justin Bieber if he ever wants to come and uh, throw out a first pitch at a game. Now it goes up even one step farther, but my question to you is, do you think that it will hold its value or increase any more as far as the Bieber card is concerned, or is it just too common? I think it's probably too common, but I think it may depend on what kind of career Shane Bieber has. Now, if he goes on and wins three, four Cy Youngs, this will be a card people will want to have for their Shane Bieber collection. It'll be a uh, error card that people will have to have. But, you know, if he just has like a, a normal career, you know, uh, no Cy Youngs, and it'll be relegated to the uh, dollar bin, I would say. I got to ask you, before we head on out, why people need to check out your awesome show, That Sports Card Show podcast. Because we've been on hiatus for a month or two, and we're about ready to come back. So uh, that would be a good reason to check us out. We're going to be coming back strong. So, uh, yeah, check us out, man. We're, it's kind of, we're kind of just a sports card and sports card world kind of a, a talk show more than anything. Once again, I'm talking to Vince Atulu from That Sports Card Show podcast. You got to check it out today on all available podcast outlets. And, again, I want to thank you for being so much of a supporter. It's always great to have you on the show. You got to come back sooner when you want to talk pop culture, when you want to talk about sports cards, you want to talk about everything else in pop culture. And coming up next, we've got Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com. She's here with our fall TV preview coming up right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. All right, and we're back with the show. Once again, it is Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos here. Today it is a fall TV preview, and who better to preview the fall season with us than our good friend? She is the lead writer. You know what? I'm going to give you promotion. You're the lead writer for the TVRatingsGuide.com. you got to check out all the amazing articles, the amazing updates, the latest ratings news, reviews, original programming. you got to check it out. Plus, there's a couple things that I put over there, too, as well. At the TVRatingsGuide.com. That's the TVRatingsGuide.com. It is my good friend, and she is our TV ratings guru. It is Yay. Jessica Boggs. Always great to have you back on the show. In fact, I am just so happy that we're going to have you on for the next three episodes. Not just one, 
not just two, but three episodes for you as well. Three episodes. Absolutely. You're going to be talking a lot on the next three shows, so it's just great to have you here. There's a lot of stuff to talk about this fall. What is hot when it comes to ABC coming this fall to television? Stumptown and Emergence, a.k.a. the NBC Reject. So Stumptown and Emergence, Emergence is the one that got rejected by NBC and is put onto ABC. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. All right. Hand me downs. I like that. And then there is a reboot of Kids Say the Darndest Things. Plus, we also got final seasons of Modern Family and How to Get Away with Murder coming. Before we head on to CBS, I just want to ask you, is there anything else that's intriguing about what's on the ABC Fall Slate? I think I want to see how Bless This Mess and Schooled is going to hold up, but that's going to be in the tepid category. CBS, CBS is just a a love-hate situation with me each and every year because they have seemingly, we go over and over again on, on what they do and how they cater their programming. But okay, Jessica, let's give everybody an update on what you think is hot for CBS coming up this fall. What I'm going to think it's hot for CBS this fall, the three new comedies, Bob Hart's Abishola, the new comedy from Chuck Lorre, creator of The Big Bang Theory, The Unicorn, and Carol's Second Act. So we're going to see which one is going to hold up in the ratings. Well, it's very interesting because CBS now is going into a different type of thinking, a different era, because they're reunifying with Viacom. It's been made official in the past few days. So it's something that a lot of people were pointing towards. In fact, they should have never broken up in the first place back in the early 2000s, but they did. But now they're back together. It's a love fest. And I know there's a lot of questions in regards to their programming, both on the air with their broadcast, the cable networks that are affected as far as from a Viacom standpoint, CBS All Access. There's a ton of questions that people are asking about. And of course, it all starts with the main broadcast network with CBS. So hopefully those shows will hit for CBS as they look to go ahead and expand their audience and try to recapture some of the glory that they had earlier this decade when they were the it network as far as broadcasting is concerned with NBC now taking a a little bit larger share of the pie indeed. And speaking of NBC, we've got to talk about them because they are leading the ratings. What is hot coming to NBC this fall? We got the new Bluff City Law, which is the newest lead out for The Voice So we're going to see if the legal drama, which should have been Chicago Justice, by the way, is going to hold up in the ratings. But we've seen mixed results. Plus, also, I'm going to see what's hot about One Chicago and how One Chicago is going to retain itself in its stability on Wednesday nights. Because it is a whole Chicago thing, all three hours when you've got one Chicago, they, they're really leaning into it. It's something that they've developed over the course of time from one show to two shows, now three shows covering that entire night. So looking forward to seeing how popular and how well one Chicago holds up over the course of the next fall season. But there's something also on the way as far as from Fox. That I know they've got a lot of interest out there from, you know, with obviously the Beverly Hills 90210 revival that's got a lot of interest from fans out there recently because that just debuted. But 
when it comes to Fox, what is hot as well that's coming this fall to that network? We got new dramas, Almost Family and Prodigal Son coming out. And we also have animated comedies, Plus the Heart coming out. We're going to see how it does without football. We also have the second season of The Masked Singer. I'm interested in seeing if it holds up in its second season, whether well, we see a, a holdup where it stabilizes or it turns into like a Joe Millionaire type collapse. I'm interested to see how well it does, you know, in the second season also. But I can tell you right now, I'm going to say it's going to do very well against what it did, whether or not it will match up exactly what it did last year because we became that fascination that a lot of people were pointing towards. I still think like The Voice and a lot of these other long-running reality competition shows, I think it fits more into that category. I don't think it's going to be a passe fad. I think it still will have some type of strong ratings. Whether or not it's going to have the same amount of ratings that it did in its previous season, I'm not sure sure about that, but I do think it's going to be something that Fox can use for a pillar and a cornerstone for at least the short-term next one to possibly even three seasons or even more to come. But I think it will be something that a, a lot of people will actually still go towards to as far as their television sets for the foreseeable future. Well, they cut its budget for the second season, especially in the costume department. So it's going to be interesting if that's going to translate into ratings. Like normally, if you have a really big hit, like you have to raise the budget, but it cut its budget. Oh, then again, it could be also startup costs. Startup costs sometimes take a lot of, uh, you know, the initial funds out of it. And they now that they have something in place, they may be able to keep costs somewhat accordingly. But you're right. If they go too far... On the budget cutting side with something like that, people will just tune out right away. Exactly. All right. And then we've got next one of your favorite networks that's out there. You cannot forget, although sometimes I'd like to, we cannot forget about our friends at the CW. Because uh, sometimes the CW just irritates me with some of the stuff that they do. But all right. There's got to be some stuff that's coming out that's hot. I know Batwoman, I have been on record already as saying that I'm interested with this show coming up. I'm interested to see where that goes. I'm, I'm happy that they're going to go ahead and, and be able to portray this LGBTQ plus character that's going to have uh, you know a lot of people talking, I'm sure. But also, there's some other stuff that's coming out and some stuff that's leaving that's going to make the news when it comes to what's hot at CW. Besides Batwoman, we also have the final seasons of Arrow and Supernatural coming on. That is big news. Plus, we also have our Nancy Drew coming on. That's like our CBS show. We don't know where that's going to hold up. Because CW has this reputation of like keeping low-rated CBS shows on the air past what would be their normal expiration date. Again, when it comes to CW, it's always a, you know, a, a mix mash of shows that don't perform well in the ratings overall, but if they hold a certain number, they can stay on for several years at the CW. It, it, it's just something that, that interests me where the tvratingsguide.com will always report that, okay, it did a 0 0.2, it did a 0 0.3, it did a 0 0.2, it did a 0 0.3, and it gets year after year after year after year, which is to me sometimes amazing that these networks, even a network like the CW, still tolerates those kind of numbers consistently. I mean, 
when it comes to the end of Arrow and Supernatural, I mean, how low did these ratings actually have to go in order for these shows to finally get that axe out of there? So it's interesting to see how that will materialize with the final seasons of Arrow and, and Supernatural and The Flash now coming to the forefront as the official lead show for the network at CW. So we're going to have to see how that plays out. But when it comes to what's hot, we've talked about. Now when it comes to the broadcast networks, we want to talk about what's tepid. And what you're saying is tepid in that eh, some stuff that may or may not hit with audiences. You're not quite sure. It's on the fence. We don't know. But things that we still want to talk about when it comes to what's tepid uh, what's tepid at ABC? Tuesdays outside of the Connors is going to be like hit and miss. Also Wednesdays. So we're going to see like where's the post modern family era. But Tuesdays are going to be the big concern in the fall with the Connors and see how it holds up. And then we also have TGIF with American Housewife becoming the second move to Friday comedy since they restarted TGIF last season, and it was to mixed results. So there is a lot going on when it comes to what is on the fence at ABC. I know CBS is going to have some issues as well. Like I said, they're still trying to regain their lost form from what they had earlier this decade. So Jess, I want to ask you, what is tepid going on right now with the fall schedule for CBS? I think the the tepid that's going on is like the veteran dramas. I mean, we had one drama get banished to mid-season for a reboot that wasn't even as strong to begin with. And then there's this whole future post The Big Bang Theory. And right now, I'm optimistic that the comedies are going to hold up, but I don't think they're going to set the ratings world on fire like in The Big Bang era days. But still... Solid enough, enough to keep the lights on. But NBC doesn't have that many type of questions when it comes to what is on the fence. It's either hit or it's not seemingly with NBC. But there is maybe one or two things that you think that you want to cover on what is on the fence and what's tepid with NBC. Thursday night in general, I do expect the anchors to hit, but their lead outs are probably going to be a miss. So overall, the night is going to probably be like on the fence. We know Superstore and The Good Place are going to remain pretty solid, but I'm not really optimistic about their new shows, though, because we know those new shows are probably not going to hit. So Brooklyn Nine-Nine is going to come back in January. But I love Superstore. Love Superstore. Go Superstore. And well, NBC now on top, they can easily just go ahead and just ax anything that they want that if it's not doing up to snuff, that's when you're number one, you sh- I, I've seen where shows that probably would be given more leash on a different network are just axed right away. So you're right. When it comes to Thursday nights on NBC, that could be an issue if they're not going ahead and getting the type of love or same amount of love that The Good Place Brooklyn Nine-Nine, or Superstore are getting on Thursday nights. Now, what is going on with Fox that you think could go either way as far as in a real good or real bad direction? What do you think could be tepid at Fox? Tuesdays and Fridays, like overall. We know Empire is having its final season on Tuesday, 
and it has been going down like ever since the controversy has going on, but it has been going down ever since, even before that. And so it's going to probably go out the way of glee and go out with a whimper on a Tuesday night. Whereas we have the resident moving to Tuesdays. It's going to probably do solid for Fox in there, but Tuesday is going to be like, still going to probably be like a low rated night. Fridays, you have SmackDown. SmackDown has been declining in the ratings in the later part of its USA run. And that's probably not going to be good for Fox. Now, this so. is something that has gone on for over two, three years now. Their ratings have been declining as far as not only SmackDown, but also Raw as well over the course of time. I, I mean, I could go on forever about it since I have an affinity for the pro wrestling enterprise. But this comes at maybe a good time for the WWE because having them put out onto a network such as Fox could be a big benefit and a big boom for them if they're able to go ahead and promote it properly or find an individual that they can go ahead and center around that actually will people will get behind and increase the ratings. But you're right. As of right now, ratings are only slightly up for them as far as from a cable standpoint. They average right around two and a half million per episode for SmackDown. So you're trying to translate that over into a Fox network hopefully they're able to go ahead and generate that audience or even more when it comes to what's going on to Fox and, and be able to get back into at least the 3 million range. I'm hoping that that's going to be the case, but we'll have to wait and see. But you're right. The product itself of WWE needs a lot of help. Maybe this will be something that does get the WWE back into a uh, better shape or better frame of mind with fans. But yeah, there's there's a lot more I could go about, and that would be like a whole nother episode. Uh, I don't want to have to bore everyone out there to death on my rants when it comes to the WWE, but yes. It's, it's kind of like, you're moving the B show, but you're keeping the A show on cable. Well, yeah, USA will not let go of that one. USA will not let go of Monday Night Raw. SmackDown, as you know, it, it's been all over the place. It's been on UPN. It's been on uh, Sci-Fi. It's been on several different outlets already. So SmackDown seems to be that show that they want to keep going on. And hopefully this will be something that will bring SmackDown to the forefront. But again, it's all up to the WWE and how they go ahead and prioritize that show and prioritize the individuals that are working on it. What's going on that could be tepid when it comes to your favorite network again, at least seemingly anyways, when it comes to the CW? Everything that's not named The Flash is basically going to be your .3.4 zone this season. You got the superhero shows, the ones that are produced by WB. We got All American. That's a question mark. It's been at .2.3 in its first season. And it got moved to the anchor slot for hopefully to help out Black Lightning, but I'm not optimistic about that. And you see Legacies. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that eventually Legacies is going to be moving to 8 p.m., though after Supernatural ends in the future, because Thursday night lineup, solid for CW. Very solid indeed, and let's hope that's the case. But again, as I was talking about earlier when it comes to CW, those 0.3, 0.4s keep CW satisfied. It wouldn't be for me if I'm running CW. I'm always striving for more, but you know what? That's the CW, and take it or leave it when it comes to them. But we're talked about what's hot. We've talked about what's tepid. 
Now, Jessica, I'm getting a chill. I'm getting my jacket on because we're now talking about what's cold when it comes to the broadcast networks for our fall TV preview. So first off, we're going to go to the chill zone. What is going on and what is cold when it comes to ABC? The major point of what's cold would be Dancing with the Stars. And it's not setting the ratings roll on fire. It was one of the lowest rated shows last fall on ABC, which is why they cut the spring season of Dancing with the Stars for American Idol. And this is one of those shows that depends on whether or not they have a buzzy cast or not. After that, we have TGIT outside of Grey's Anatomy, because apparently they're going to say that it's not going to be TGIT without Station 19. And Station 19 was benched to mid-season. So now we have a million little things taking over its time slot for most of the season. We're going to see how it holds up. And you got the final season of How to Get Away with Murder with its declining ratings and all. And you also talked about before in the past about the rookie and where it stood after a somewhat promising first initial season. And it did get the go-ahead to be on for another season. But there's been a lot of controversy over the past few weeks when it concerns the rookie. There's a lot of people pointing the finger at not only the rookie or ABC for a lot of the wrong reasons. So that, I believe, is also on your cold list as well. Yeah, I feel like this is going to be like on the cold list because it got moved to basically what we call ABC's Sunday night, 10 p.m. That's ABC's death slot. Tuesday used to be historically its death slot. And now Sunday night has completely taken that away because we have all those shows from recent seasons like American Crime, 10 Days in the Valley, and then Alec Baldwin. These were the casualties of the Sunday 10 p.m. death slot. And so I don't see how the rookie survives. I don't see how it does either, especially given the bad press that it received most recently. And this doesn't look good for anyone who's a fan of Nathan Fillion and the rookie. So let's move on to what could be very chilly for our friends at CBS. But I want to hear your thoughts on what is cold currently with the fall TV lineup. For CBS. I feel like this is going to be the season where CBS Fridays are going to turn out cold, though, because they moved a week Monday through Thursday performer and puts it in the Friday lineup, which is the Friday lineup in recent seasons has been performing a whole lot better than its Sunday lineup. And Magnum PI is going to probably likely do like a 0.4 or a 0.5, probably lower ratings than MacGyver, which got benched. And that's not going to help things for Hawaii Five-0 or Blue Bloods. No, and those two have been a standby for quite some time now. I know a lot of people out there still enjoy those two shows, but you're right. With a, a show like Magna P.I. or any other show that anchors it with a really subpar 0.4, which in numbers translation for a large broadcast network like ABC, CBS, or NBC is really not a good sign for consistency, that's just a, not a good number to have. So that could be an issue for them. As Like you said, if they're trying to go ahead and keep Blue Bloods and also Hawaii Five-0 around for a long period of time, then they need a good show to go ahead and help 
boost those ratings for all three of the programs instead of having a show that's going to kill not only that specific show, but the other two shows involved on Friday nights. But there is a lot more chilliness going on when it comes to other networks. I know you wanted to talk about what could possibly be chilly when it comes to NBC. Like I said, I think because they're the number one broadcast network, they're going to have a quicker act, so to speak. I want to hear what you think will be cold this fall when it comes to NBC. I think with the blacklist coming on Fridays, I think that's going to possibly be cold, but fine for Fridays. But we also need to check and see how Dateline is going to hold up. Don't mess with Dateline or my wife will have out with anybody, including NBC, as far as if they cut that. But if they got a show that isn't performing well, you know what? Throw a Dateline here, throw a Dateline there, throw a Dateline here and there. And that seems to go ahead, depending on the subject matter, seems to get them by because a lot of people are still interested in that show. So I don't see anything really affecting Dateline. I think it's just there. So when it comes to what could be chilly with other good friends at Fox, I want to hear that's always something interesting because Fox is also something that goes through a lot of turnover. They have a lot of shows that go through turnover, in my opinion, as far as, okay, we don't like these shows. We'll just take a bunch out. We'll put a bunch in. We'll see what works. They're more than any other network that I believe are the ones in broadcast network that loves to throw darts and see what sticks. I feel like since they're going to return animation domination, it's going to do well with football numbers. But animation outside football, blah. And Sunday night on Fox recently has done very poorly. But Fox, again, I just think they throw a lot of stuff out there and they see what sticks. And that's what I like about them. They seem to go ahead and take chances a little bit more than some of the other networks that we see out there. Finally, last but not least, are your good friends at CW. So I want to hear, what do I need to put on a parka for when it comes to what's chilly at the CW? Well, it's not just chilly. It's going to be really chilly for new Friday night, 9 p.m. show, Dynasty. And it's going to be really chilly because we're going to see whether or not this is going to be the season where it's going to hit below Point one in the unrounded ratings because we're going to probably be using unrounded ratings for CW, especially since ratings are getting so low. Oh my gosh, that sounds frigid. When it concerns a 0.033, you know, something like that, that just seems very, very bad for not only your outlet, but also the network as a whole. And I don't know if, if that becomes the norm for the CW. Why they stay in existence is still beyond me. My friend, it's so great to have you on the PCC Multiverse and looking forward to have you on with your TV update on the pop culture cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games.
And we're back to close out the show. It's the PC Multiverse. If you need a listing of where we're at, because we're being played all around the world, seven days a week on radio stations worldwide, please check out our listings right on our Facebook page, Pop Culture Cosmos, where you also get a listing of many of our podcast outlets. Want to say a big hello to our friends at Juice FM, The Juice. Check it out today, especially if you're in the UK. That's Juice FM, where we're being played on Sunday nights. And if you want to check out a great podcast outlet, we are back on Google Play Podcasts. My friend, you got a great thing going with your big time hit, which just sold out on Amazon. It's congratulations, you suck. So tell me, my friend, if people want to check out a great book, where can they go get your latest and greatest? Congratulations, you suck. You can find on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com and booklocker.com. But if you go into a store, go into your local Barnes and Noble, ask them to stock it on the shelves, they will do that. And that would greatly help me out as well. And again, if you are into the Kindle or the Nook, there are versions available on that as well. And you can check that out at barnesandnoble.com and of course, amazon.com. But congratulations, my friend. It's truly well-deserved. You've been getting some great reviews. And again, people need to check it out. Congratulations. You suck. Thank you. Well, I want to go ahead and thank Vince Atulo from That Sports Card Show podcast and Jessica Box from the TV Radies Guide for being on today's podcast. You will hear Jessica Box again on Monday's show talking about why is HBO's succession such a hot hit? We're going to talk about why that's the case. Plus also as well, Josh and I are going to share thoughts on what went on this weekend at Gamescom, the world's largest video game conference, a lot of information, a lot of news, press conferences, game announcements could be on the way. So we'll talk about that as well on the Monday program. And we'll also talk about why it is a good time to finally get into No Man's Sky. But before we head on out, my friend, I want to ask you, did you get a chance to check out a return by Eddie Murphy with the help of Netflix? Did you get a chance to see the trailer for his upcoming movie, Dolomite Is My Name? Yeah, I did. It kind of reminds me of Black Dynamite, but they're trying to make a movie instead of like a, an action film. This is a remake, I believe, of the Dolomite character of the 1970s, if I'm not mistaken. Whether or not you're a big fan of his from yesteryear back in the 80s and 90s when his career was really hitting a stride, he has done a whole lot this past 20 years but a deal with netflix could be on the horizon not only for this film which will still i believe be out in theaters along with being out on the streaming service but there are rumors of him returning to the stand-up comedy scene and josh if that's the case that could be a big win for fans out there because if it's anywhere near of what it was in the 80s at his height of success in stand-up comedy it could be really something special and it could be something to get people back into the Netflix platform. Right. Well, Raw is one of the most successful stand-up comedy pictures ever made. So if that he were to make something similar to that, like that would really do a lot for Netflix, especially if they put that out on, on DVD as well. Cause Raw still sells the copies of that on DVD and Blu-ray are still selling hot. So, I mean, I would hope that they wouldn't do like an Adam Sandler type deal, but if he signs on for a couple movies, couple stand-up specials it could really do great things for netflix and there's also a coming to america part two that's also on the way that he's a big part of of course him and arsenio hall with the main guys behind the first one and it's interesting to see all the names that are being rumored as far as that project as well so eddie murphy is poised for a comeback and from us at pop culture cosmos it's definitely great to see you. 
So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. And thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great